You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, smart, smooth, smoking, smashing, and smoldering smilers. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your <laughs> weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 17, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your amusing and animated alliteration adores admitting assonance abuse. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, to start off the show, we have a quick uh, correction segment, which we're going to lovingly called... Um, actually. Um, actually. <laughs> Uh, our last episode, I think we uh, confused assonance with alliteration, just to clarify everything. So alliteration refers to... Uh, it's at the beginning of words, kind of consecutive words. Yep. Repetition of consonant sounds at the beginning of consecutive words. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to be consonant. It can be, it can oh, be really? vowel as well. Oh, my, mm-hmm. my understanding was it's just repetition of whatever sounds. the sound is at the beginning. Okay. Yep. So alliteration refers to the repetition of a, of a particular sound in the first syllables of a series of words. Assonance is the repetition of vowel sounds and only vowel sounds to create internal rhyming. Right. So it's right. within. Oh, okay. An uh, example would be how, now, brown, cow. Right. right. And then there's also consonants. And consonants is the same thing with assonance, but it's with consonants, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm. So it's the repetition of the same consonant in short succession. So an example would be all mammals named Sam are clammy. Uh, Pitter patter is both alliteration and consonants. Because we have the T P in the beginning for alliteration, so Jeez. Cool. just yeah, a lot of people wrote it, and a lot of word nerds we out are, there. Yes, we yeah. are sorry for being jackassonants. We, sorry, jackassonants. Jackassonants. <laughs> we aim to get it right. Should we introduce ourselves? Oh yes. So of course I am Karen. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Yeah. Call monitor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Let's jump into our usual general quiz segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. Yes. Grabbed my cock. Okay. <laughs> but what? Man. <laughs> this is a family show. Starting salty today. <laughs> oh, sassy. Yeah. All right, blue wedge. Let's go. The Galapagos Islands are part of what country? That was Colin. I believe it's Ecuador. Correct. The islands lie about 600 miles west of the mainland Mm -hmm. and known for... Tortoise. Yeah, tortoises and lizards. Okay, Pink Wedge, pop culture. On the TV show Arrested Development, what is the name of Michael Bluth's son? That was Dana. George Michael. Correct. George Michael. <laughs> of course. Played by? The uh, inestimable Michael Sarah. Yeah. Yes, Michael Sarah. And Yellow Wedge. The minimum legal age for what activity was established in July 1984 in most states? Dana. Is it drinking? Correct. Uh-huh. Age established was 21, and there, this was yeah. 1984. What was State, it before? 18. States had states had all different drinking ages before. Right. Oh. Right. Um, in the 80s, um, the federal government said that it would start restricting highway funds uh, to states if they didn't make their drinking age 21, um, on the idea that if it, a lowered drinking age caused more accidents. Yeah. Right. Got yeah, right. it. De facto federal drinking age is 21, but <laughs> right. there is no law that says that it has to be 21. Right. Okay, let's do Purple Wedge. Who does a Bartolator worship? Oh. Chris. Bart Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I- incorrect. Colin. Uh, I'm assuming it's Bartolator. Would that be William Shakespeare? Correct. Oh, yeah. Bardolator. Bardolator. Bartolator. Bart Simpson. <laughs> okay, Green Wedge for science. The markings on a tabby cat's head often resemble what letter? What a weird oh, question. Oh, uh... It's an M. Is Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. you do have cats. I do have cats. Cat so, I am a cat yeah. person. Okay, last question. Not that you're here. a hybrid man-cat. <laughs> no, no, what, he's what, a liger, really. What have you heard? <laughs> he's a liger. <laughs> so. Okay, last question. Chris is going to get this one. Hooray. What chef's signature shoes are orange Crocs? What? Um, I'm going to get this one? Yeah. <laughs> what chef's signature signature shoes, shoes are, are orange crocs. crocs like those rubber like the rubbery, is it orange rubbery shoes uh, so i'm gonna is it emerald incorrect no. 
Mm. Why would I get this? Because it's a food thing? I don't know. Mm. Gordon oh, Ramsay. No, Mario Batali. Oh. That's what I was thinking. I was yeah, I, was I did not know that. that. What? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Oh. I didn't know that. The Crocs. <laughs> the Crocs. The Crocs. All right. Good job, Brains. And uh, let's get into our topic of the week. It's inspired by a lot of our personal quirks and fascination. Um, a, a personal weird thing about me is um, I can't I can't watch horror movies because I can't stomach gore. Uh, but I'm so curious about like what happens and how people die. And I know it sounds kind of morbid. And so one of the series I really uh, like reading about, not watching, reading about, is the Saw movies. The oh. Saw Right. Mm-hmm. All the With traps. all the elaborate contraptions. Exactly. Right. I don't. I don't know why. It's just. It's. It's very creative, and it's kind of. I don't know. It, well, the, I think it combines so you, the appreciation for Rube Goldberg machinery with just the macabre, which yeah. I think a lot of nerds would would uh, admit to liking both of those things. And I remember I confessed this to Colin years ago, and I was like, "Oh, I don't. You know, I'm kind of weird, but I really <laughs> like reading about like mm-hmm. how people die and stuff." And Colin's like, "Me too," because you used to have. You used to read like books about traps from like Dungeons and Dragons. Exactly. I had friends growing up who would play Dungeons and Dragons and I was always far more interested in these collections of of gruesome traps for the dungeon master to set and I would just read them as little stories almost. I found it so fascinating how how devious people can be. Mm -hmm. And I personally think you're all left in the head. (laughs) (laughs) I I was forced uh, forced at podcast point to to read all about these crazy things. As as you were talking like a little wave of dread like washed over me. I'm feeling a little nervous now. I did not know that about you guys. <laughs> so Why are you guys sliding your chairs the other direction? <laughs> hey guys. Um, so for today's episode, we will be talking about eccentric and classic uh, punishment methods throughout history. There's always been this this fascination, like even if you go to like a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum today, especially the one that's in Times Square where there's like this massive room full of like medieval torture devices. Uh-huh. So people in contemporary times have always kind of been fascinated by older torture devices, things that were used or may have been used in medieval times. And even, even like in the 18th, 19th centuries, like there'd be exhibitions of medieval sure. torture devices, things like that. And so, you know, you have ones that are meant just simply to mess with people or leave them disfigured right but then there's actual like devices that are used for like execution right right that are san- that are sanctioned by some sort of authority or a government yes or, right. yeah yeah that's not just like something that some guy has in his basement right right I mean, right <laughs> or not that not that the spanish inquisition wasn't sanctioned but uh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i think you know it's interesting we're talking about the difference between stuff that's just to kind of torture and maim and stuff that's official punishment really interesting to me and uh you know as we're talking about getting ready for the show capital punishment comes from as we know the latin root for head Mm -hmm. Uh, capitalist capital right yes so removing the head is the classic form of capital punishment you know i uh have have been really interested in the story of the guillotine for a long time speaking of removing heads speaking of removing the heads and official mechanisms it's just one of those stories that is just so full of irony and all kinds of historical intrigue that so i mean you guys probably know the guillotine associated with france Mm -hmm. of course right Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, classic. And, of course, you know, the Reign of Terror with Marie Antoinette and just many, many uh, nobles going to their end at the guillotine. You know, the French didn't invent that device. There were similar devices in other countries and other cultures before then that using the idea of a large blade slicing off the head. But they, they absolutely perfected it to the point of that we know it today. And so it's it's named after French physician, Dr. Uh, Joseph Guillotin, T-I-N. Spoke. Oh, so there's a Mr. Guillotin. There is a, yes. a Dr. Guillotin. Oh, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. He, he didn't go to medical school, so you could call him Mr. Guillotine. Uh, Dr. Joseph Ignace Guillotin. And he was, as I say, he was a doctor and a, poli- and a politician. And the, the, the irony is he was an 
anti-death penalty crusader. Yes, he really was part of a group of people active in, you know, uh, in France in the late 1780s who wanted to reform the entire death penalty system. Because at that time, it was, as you say, there was all kinds of... What was the death penalty before that, then? Well, it was really varied and kind of all over the map, but essentially it was pretty brutal. You know, there were a lot of devices, you know, that that, uh, we imagine in sort of medieval torture devices where the the agony and the pain was as much of the punishment as putting the person to death. Mm -hmm. And what was really unjust, you know, to Dr. Guillotin and a lot of other guys was that poor people really had a disproportionate uh, amount of these <laughs> awful executions. You know, so poor, oh, of course. The, the, the poor and lower classes could be subjected to hanging and drowning and burning and all sorts of, you know, being beaten to death on the, the breaking wheel and all these other really nasty devices. Whereas if you were rich or noble enough, you could afford to essentially buy a swift death with an axe. So um, he was a pragmatist. Basically. He was. If, yeah. he, if, he, if he, he couldn't be anti-death penalty, he would at least create a more humane That's exactly death. right. So he and a lot of the other politicians, their thought was, all right, then let's start with some sensible steps, small steps. And so their first thought was, let's come up with something that is applied to everybody. Let's make the death penalty really egalitarian. So whether you're rich, poor, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, mm-hmm. you get the same swift, easy death that everyone else can get. You know, it's not just for the rich people anymore. I guess it was how they might sell it. Um, but also, you know, the other thing, just that it, that it was clean and efficient. You know, even, you know, reading some of these awful, awful stories about with the axe man, if he's just off by a few inches or if yeah. the person oh, yeah. struggles, you know, I mean, drinks. You, yeah. sometimes it would take two blows, right. <laughs> two or three blows to finish somebody off. And it's just gruesome. Oh, yeah. So Dr. Guillotin said, let's, this is efficient. We need to come up with a way to do this cleanly first try. And the other irony, I suppose the final irony is that he really advocated that execution is a private matter. You know, let's preserve the dignity of oh. even, even the most heinous criminal deserves dignity in this moment of death. And of course, the popular it becomes a show. It's a public show yeah. and public yeah. spectacle, which is really how a lot of executions were handled in that time. Right, right, right. Um, he didn't design the device. He, he was associated with it, though, uh, because he sort of led the crusade to come up with this device which which is noble i have to say it was noble intentions it was noble intentions so the the man who actually is credited with designing it is a dr antoine louis and the device was originally known in france as the the louisette or the louison after louis who invented it uh but it did not take long before guillotin's name you know became attached and it was the guillotine named after him yeah i mean I, i mean just to flash forward actually a little bit uh after he died his family had become so kind of mortified i mean no pun intended ashamed of the of being associated with the device they asked the government to change the name mm-hmm. and the government's like nah it's just so impractical we gotta reprint all these brochures <laughs> I mean yeah. they, they essentially said no we're not gonna change the name and they changed their family name they, the they you know it's I, I, I <laughs> wish <laughs> nobody knows yes. I was not actually able to track that down <laughs> ironically uh, they became head choppers yes yeah. <laughs> head choppers well it's France it was head chopé yeah. <laughs> they became the taser family <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't guillotine me, bro. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, just the order of a, you know three or four years, this device that was intended to be a humane, egalitarian, private, swift means of punishment mm-hmm. became associated with the reign of terror and mm-hmm. public, very public, very gory, uh, publicized executions. Right. Of, as well, I they, say, made it, yeah. they made it very easy and convenient to just execute. That's All absolutely right. Execute. right. All right, That's execute. right. There's one uh, story often told about the guillotine that is not actually true, which is that Louis the Sixteenth himself suggested, oh, you know, if you put the blade on a 45-degree angle, it'll really cut a lot more efficiently. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, of course, being the the joke that he ended up being beheaded that way, but that does right. not appear to be true. That, uh, that angle okay. was, in fact, part of the original design team. <laughs> and there must be there must be some sort of phys- physics or math. Is. It does to everything. It does. Earlier devices, I guess, had a rounded blade, and and the the oh. forty five the forty five degree blade really is far more efficient. They say huh. they say you know uh, some French neurophysicists uh, even at the time were really curious about the state of consciousness after beheading, and mm-hmm. again, just sort of this macabre feeling. And by all accounts, it certainly seems to be the case that the head is aware that it has a beheaded head in that brief instant after it's been cut off oh, the body. Yeah. The, but it might be like residue, kind of a nervous activity. You know, unfortunately Nobody's uh, around No ass. one's around long enough to yeah. really uh, be debriefed. Yeah. Not good enough at re- <laughs> reattaching them to ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it wasn't outlawed until 1981, Capital Punishment in France. The last, 1981? The, last, the guillotine was in use in France until as late as 1977. Wow. I mean, it is amazing. We have this image of it being, oh, it's 
1790s. Right. Or, but no, it was up and up and used use well into yeah, well into the 70s. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, huh. yeah. Uh, before they, but outlawed. it is instant. We believe it is. It is as instant or as swift a death as you know anything. I think short of a gunshot could be. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes me kind of feel better. Right. It, it is much more humane than the breaking wheel. Let's put it yeah. that way. <laughs> Speaking of the breaking wheel, that's what I was going to talk about. It's otherwise known as the Catherine wheel. Mm-hmm. And that sounds so nice. Doesn't it? I mean, it's also the name. They all of sound it. so lovely. Yeah. I don't well, think I ever knew that. that the yeah. band, the Catherine wheel. I don't think I ever knew that it's, was yeah, the name. Yeah. The 90s alt rock British band. It's also like a firework. Right. And yes. it's a kind of window. It's also like a really intense torture device Mm. a person is strapped to a wheel like maybe a wagon wheel or something like that and then there are hammers that come out and hit them while it's turning so like you can beat them to death and Mm -hmm. that's kind of where the coup de grace comes from where like the mercy blow like if somebody you hit them in the head or like in an organ or something to make it faster unlike the guillotine this is not instant no (laughs) this is this is the example of the really drawn out and and in this case they wanted it to be really drawn out right especially in front of a crowd like you want right it is it's a public spectacle don't let this happen to you yes exactly it's probably why the guillotine wasn't a private matter either it's still the point of showing everybody this is how we deal with people who violate our social contract or whatever Mm -hmm. But um, it was named after St. Catherine of Alexandria. So it w- it existed before she did. So she was going to be killed on it. But the story goes that it fell apart um, when they were about to attach her to it. And so they ended up beheading her instead. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, yeah. right. so, Well, we got this guillotine. I know. <laughs> what a way to give your name to something. Right, no. right. And in fact, the Catherine Wheel is on the flag, the coat of arms, for a ton of cities. Really? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. she's saying... Catherine is their patron saint, and then her symbol is the torture device. Ah. It wasn't used to kill her. Awkward. <laughs> I think I assumed that in a lot of cases that was like the wheel of fortune, the wheel of life being well, represented. Wheel but of life, wheel of death. Wheel well, of yeah, life. Hey. yeah. So you know, as I was kind of saying in the beginning, um, a lot of people are, you know, as as today, people hundreds of years ago were, of course, fascinated to look at you know these medieval instruments of torture, and so of course, you know, they're the Robert J. Ripley's of the 19th century would, of course, arrange exhibitions and things, and people would, you know, pay a penny to go and just look at these things right. and be told it's like a freak show these of. stories that we're telling now about, oh, this is what they do with it, and then they'd hit you and whatever. And as you might imagine, in the days before, you know, Karen could go onto Wikipedia and fact check, there were a few yeah. uh, embellishments <laughs> or simple outright frauds. Like, and I found out about one of these. For example, um, people have said that at this point, I, I couldn't find definitive information on this, but. People seem to believe that the that the Iron Maiden mm-hmm. was just fictional. Right. Huh. That that people just assembled these in the nineteenth century and like, oh, in medieval times. So, so the Iron Maiden just were on the same page is the quintessential uh, medieval torture device. It looks like a large metal statue of a lady and then the, the body of it opens up and it's all lined with spikes so they put you inside oh, like like a sarcophagus right like a, sarcophagus. a vertical sarcophagus with a smiling woman's head on top and they put you inside and then just close it and then all the spikes were to go into you and the whole thing is like oh all the spikes are positioned so they actually don't hit your major organs so you're just oh, in there with the spikes in you forever yeah, yeah. Until, you know <laughs> as far as anybody can figure the first reference to this stuff he's a German professor named Johann Philipp Siebenkies in 1793 but the problem is nobody seems to be able to find any other references right. to it he the just way that made they it out. Other things. <laughs> and they may you know people might have taken remnants of things that they found from hundreds of years previously and sort of put them back together in ways that they imagined that they might have worked using mm. their imaginations there was of course the famous Iron Maiden of Nuremberg which was on display in Nuremberg Germany and was destroyed in the 1944 Allied bombings and has since been recreated could there have there been like photographs of the original I, I believe but again even this nobody can d- go back and date it because it's gone now right, you know, but right. nobody really knew had they you know did they just build it in the 1800s and never actually use it and more more recently interestingly enough as I was researching Iron Maidens after the fall of Iraq in 2003 they found an Iron Maiden out in Uday Hussein's of course like, they did. backyard 
backyard. Of course his, they did. Yeah, of course they did. Right. right. He was he was very fond of uh, of torture. So he may in fact have actually used that on people. We don't really know, oh. but they had an old you know rusted uh, Iron Maiden out in his uh, in his backyard. Whoa. Yeah. So that's the original sock contraption. We don't right, know if it's right, true yeah. or not. I mean, yeah. it's just some right, some dude right, is like, right. hey, check this out. But yeah, I designed it, this. Take it all with a grain of salt when you hear about the medieval torture devices because you don't actually necessarily know if they were uh, if they were used contemporaneously or not because in a lot of cases there's no record of that having happened and, and again in the days before fact checking um, there was a lot of money to be made in terms of like charging people a penny each to go and look at these crazy oh. things that for all they knew you just made it yesterday you know yeah, and just yeah. rusted it up well yeah. I mean the idea that sensationalism sells tickets is certainly not new yes. exactly exactly. It's, it's <laughs> that makes so much sense speaking of these medieval devices especially the Iron Maiden imagine the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> Unlike the guillotine, I totally that totally makes sense because it is very efficient. Yeah, it is yeah. very easy to clean. But a lot of these devices, whether if they're real or not, it's like, man. Like, well, you know, I'll be honest. Some poor dude has to peel a dude. This out is of- one reason I only use disposable Iron Maidens. <laughs> it's, I, I, I am so busy. I cannot yeah. be bothered with the cleanup. <laughs> they're made out of, like, they're, compostable. They're biodegradable. Corn. Yeah, they're compostable. Yeah, right. yeah. Corn, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corn yeah I just plant. put them in my yard waste bin. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just picturing a commercial of like a woman <laughs> running, you know, in a white dress through a field of garden flowers, you know, and like 30 seconds later, it's like disposable Iron Maiden. <laughs> if you care. Nope. It does sound like a feminine product, doesn't it? Like a feminine product. Speaking of torture methods that you can't, can't really prove or disprove just because there's not a lot of information. I was watching Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, season two. I already don't like where this is going. Yeah, is this man, a spoiler alert? It, this is not a spoiler. Okay. It's just kind of offhand. They they had a, a torture scene, and as I was watching, I didn't really, I didn't really pay attention. I didn't really figure out like how everything works. This is in the background. So basically, they they would sit a guy down in a chair, and they would. Uh, put like a live rat in a in a bucket like a pail mm-hmm. you know oh. pail sized bucket and they would take the rim like the lip of the pail and kind of a, a put it on the guy's stomach mm-hmm. with the rat in there oh, and they would heat it up with fire uh-huh. they would oh. heat the bucket up with fire and so you know i'm watching this i was like oh yeah whatever i didn't really it didn't really connect for me mm-hmm. what is like, happening making happen. roasted right. rats do yeah i i don't know yeah, this guy's gonna... screaming and i finally I, I went online and i'm like okay is this a historical torture method and it, it's called rat torture or rat excitement well i mean basically they got excited uh, some yeah. good marketing on that <laughs> yeah, one exactly yeah. exciting rats <laughs> See, this, this sounds like something that it's, it's this sounds more real because really? it's what you yeah because it's what you, it's like you don't have to construct an elaborate device True. all you need is a rat in a bucket you know and which some were fire. which were in plentiful <laughs> supply Ample, in those days. Rat, they were knee deep in rats and buckets <laughs> when i read about what actually is going on i kind of like threw up in my mouth because i, I just didn't think about it <laughs> It's it's the the rats get really excited and, and they're really uncomfortable yeah. and so the only thing they can do they, they can't get out bucket oh, they're no. like oh look it's the fleshy kind uh, of cooler part right. and they start burrowing and scraping oh, into the person's uh, stomach which yeah. is kind of like it's like that tofu that we exactly. talked about in the previous yes. episode yeah sure yes. the tofu yeah. <laughs> the, what is it dojo nabe uh, I believe so yeah it was yeah. Where, where the eels jokes on you yeah you're the tofu. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and and Ugh, well, but shudder. Yeah. But the thing is, it's there are references to it in in literature, but it's probably just not true. Right, right. People probably didn't make there are references in Orwell's 1984, and even in um, James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. Yes. But there's actually historical mm. examples, or mm. you know, can't really find anything. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to talk about in terms of execution, classic pirate executions. Oh, right. Those are fun, and a lot of well, <laughs> Not for the person being executed. For everybody else on the boat, they were super fun. And and I have to say, I did a lot of research and I was grossed out by the different... There are a lot of different cases of of different pirates and captains doing very effed up things. And most of them are like beating people to death or whatever. Variations. Yeah. 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 Definitely some classic pirate torture and execution that I want to talk about. Keel hall. Oh, yeah. Which I didn't know what it meant. I always thought it was like, you know, kind of like a piratey term. I 
I, I probably used that word for years, like doing pirate play. I'll kill all you without right, knowing yeah. what it meant. Yeah. Right. It's in Mario games, like Keelhaul Bay. That's a oh, place yeah. in Mario. Oh, okay. Keelhaul refers to a person who is tied to a rope and, and a pulley system, and the victim is dragged back and forth underneath the ship. That's where oh. the keel is. Mm. Oh. They're hauled across the keel. Hauled across the keel. And, I mean, that already sounds unpleasant because you have to be underwater. <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these big ships, they have barnacles growing on the side. Oh, yeah. And so the, oh. the, the bodies would be scraped against these sharp barnacle oh, structures. Yeah. And, and and that's a real one, right? Yep, I mean, that this, is this, a real this one. This did happen, right? I mean, at best as we can tell. And, of course, we uh, have Walking the Plank, which is very famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, not as common as most people well, think it is. it's boring. Uh, they walk <laughs> off a plank, they disappear into the ocean <laughs> They're gone. Like, who cares? It that's, makes, not, that's not fun. That's not passing the hours. It's very efficient. Yeah, it's but too like, efficient. I, like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, too efficient. Like, Why not just throw them? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Why, <laughs> it's yeah. like the way like doing the ra- the rat in the bucket is not very efficient. It seems like it would take a long time for. Yeah, but again, it's but not like they, they, they were more didn't have. Ways. Yeah, they had they, fire. Yeah, like, but, right in their yeah, head, but it's like they didn't have Netflix in those days. So I mean, it's like just filling the hours. Well, I can see. I can see walking the plank. Fire being a staple of like movies and TV because like walking the plank just has so much drama, tension, inching out to the edge, like exactly pauses. But yeah, it doesn't seem practical at all. It's, and it's not you know, off the edge. Yeah. And in literature and movies and whatnot, it's not as gruesome as the other things. So walking the plank seems like it's a very high tension, but, yeah. but low it's, you know what? It's, it's good for kids. It's good for yeah. pirate movies for kids. Oh, I'll make you walk the plank. And they walk off a plank and they, they go into and the ocean. Right, and you just don't need to see what happens after that. Right, right, right. right yeah. Uh, they, they, you... took, they took the keel hauling scene out of Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys know what the hempen jig is? Hempen, H-E-M-P-E-N, jig. I've heard this before. God, sounds fun. Do they tie them up? Do they tie them up in a row? I've totally heard what the hempen jig. Yes. Okay. Hempen jig is basically pirate term for hanging. Oh, 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 oh yes. yeah. Okay. Rope right. made okay. out of hemp. Right. You're dancing okay. at, the end, dancing. Of the, dancing right. at the end of the rope. So oh, I got okay. the dancing part. <laughs> <laughs> I understood. But not the morbid part. I was part. like, hemp, though. That also sounds possibly fun. There are a lot of gruesome stuff with pirates. A lot of historians would agree that the cruelest form of, of torment or execution is called governor of the island. Do we know what oh, that is? Is that you abandon somebody? Yep, oh, exactly. Right. Oh, right. It yeah. is marooning someone that the pirate in question or the victim right. usually you know they're marooned on rock islands you know we see in movies they're like vast islands kind of <laughs> trees <laughs> right, and right, lagoons yeah and, exactly yeah. Yeah. no they're these are Just like rock rock, yeah. rock out on the ocean a chunk of coral or something mm-hmm. and so the victim basically this is standard he would be left with the clothes he's wearing mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. A, a bottle of water or rum or or alcohol a pistol and powder and a shot. Uh, okay. <laughs> there are a lot of ways that a person could perish in this situation. Obviously, um, at high tide, mm-hmm. the water might flood right. the island or rock. Right, go away. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And he would drown. Um, there are also sharks abound. Why this may be the cruelest is because of the psychological torment of having that gun there yep. and mm-hmm. basically making the person commit suicide and shoot himself, which... You know, might be a more merciful death than being mauled by sharks or mm. drowning or, or whatnot. But you're right. The psychological torment is almost uh, as bad as any physical torment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, under the heat and the sun, like, people go crazy. So kids, don't run away and hang out with pirates. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, 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 don't do it. It's not worth it. So I have a little bit of pirate trivia, uh, not really related to torture or execution, but very interesting. So do you guys know the rhyme or the song, Sing a Song of Sixpence? Yes. Yeah. Pocket, full, Pocket of full of rye. rye. Four and twenty blackbirds. Baked baked in a pie. pie. So, do you guys know where that came from? Something it's... with pirates, I guess. <laughs> so, there is a. There... When the pie was open, the birds began to sing. Wasn't that a something, 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 something? Place the king. The king. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah, a yeah. big urban legend or, or, or myth or origin story that uh, very widely believed that mm-hmm. Sing a Song Sixpence was used by Blackbeard for recruitment. Mm. So, okay. they would sing the song, and, and obviously, their different verses have different meanings, hidden meanings, but it's used to recruit pirates for Blackbeard. Okay. And that's right. very widely kind of believed. Okay. And it is actually false. No. It has been in Discovery Channel, has been in board games mm-hmm. and literature, you know, quoting that this is all Blackbeard's recruitment huh. song. Actually fake. And the origin of this rumor is from 
Snopes.com. Snopes.com are our big kind of urban sure. legend yeah. debunking myth. So what, they they planted this rumor? They planted it. Oh. It was a joke. Just to oh. sort of see if they could spread. Uh-huh. They have a section called Lost Legends, and basically it's just internet trolling. They have all these really elaborate and almost believable. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. I that love that. It seems I love that. bad for their credibility. It's like, because they're like, oh, no, we'll debunk it. We'll tell you if it's true or not. And then they're also placing it was, fake things. It was done as a joke. I think it's good because it shows how easily a single bad source of information can be replicated. They're like, and we are a bad source yeah. of information. So there you go. Trust us this time. So yeah. not actually a pirate song. Yeah. Everybody. Ah, that's there was, there was an, I, I had never heard that before so you lied to me and then erased the lie. So, <laughs> but but uh, no, I mean, you know, there was there was an inflection point where like suddenly just everybody just started getting all their information off of the nascent, you know, internet. You right. know? And it was just like yeah. TV shows and everything just like at some point people just all started Rely. just trusting yeah. the internet yeah. right. and and just the first website they found man they would just write that down and and use it as gospel traffic jams tailgating pileups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right the biden administration's epa is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today don't let washington become your backseat driver Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages. Teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. So when we were talking about torture, one thing kind of jumped to my head as something that I wanted to investigate and look into. And not necessarily this would be considered torture, but in terms of like, you know, whatever it is, sort of applying pressure on somebody to try to get them to do something that you want them to. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um... Like the Vulcan pinch? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, metaphorical <laughs> pressure. Oh, 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 oh. Got it, got it, got it. Um, I'm so... the nerd making Star Wars references, and you can just slip in Vulcan pinch and no one blames. <laughs> so I'm going to, th- I'll, I'll throw this out Colin, there as a... Uh, like persecuted. I'll... Nerd person. <laughs> I got the Star sorry, Wars reference. Sorry. So I'll throw this out there as a, as a sort of a quiz, um, just to see if anybody can get this answer. So in 1989, U.S. forces invaded Panama under the name Operation Just Cause um, in an effort to throw out dictator Manuel Noriega. Noriega right. When they went into Panama, Noriega ended up holing up in the Vatican Embassy in Panama. Um, not hiding there, but he was in there basically protected because it was the Vatican Embassy. Um, There's a Vatican Embassy? In Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Only in Panama? Are there other ones? Yeah, of course there are. Sure. Oh. The Vatican is a country. A it country. has embassies in other countries. Oh. Hold up and in I the Vatican. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so the United States, very kind of famously at that point, put on a, a program to try to force him out of there by playing at high volume loud heavy metal oh, music. That's right. No! Yeah. Um, it was like setting up massive speakers and just flooding the Vatican they can't embassy go in. with loud music. Yeah, because right, they can't right, just walk right. in there. But they oh. tried to break him down by like playing this music, including several popular 1980 songs, but including which Van Halen song? Would anybody like to venture a guess as to which Ooh. Van Halen song they might play at him? Oh, Panama. Oh. Indeed. Yes. They played the song Panama. Panama. <laughs> so, so in fact... Uh, I was... the military doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> So Southcom Network Radio, which was the radio station that was like listened to by the troops while they were Southcom as being like U.S. Southern Command. So that was the radio station that they would play music on for the troops, and 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 that was what they were playing to them. And so that radio station actually took requests for songs from the troops as to what songs they wanted to blare into the Vatican. Wow! Uh, And of course, many of them to get Noriega out. (laughs) To get Noriega out. Um, And so many of them had a not so subtle message. So uh, some of the songs that were played, there's a list. So some of the songs were uh, Judas Priest, You've Got Another Thing Coming, <laughs> uh, Billy Joel's Big Shot, 
<laughs> Tom Petty's feel a whole lot better when you're gone. Uh, and Rolling Stone's rock in a hard place. Uh, oh! Some of the songs, just some of them that were that were That's blared great. in there. This one's going out to Manny N. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and so I, and so what's interesting is I thought about okay this this idea of like you know blaring loud music into something to get people to come out. You we know, did it work. It worked. I mean you know they uh, they got them out of there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for anyone. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I actually couldn't find very many examples of this being used um, in any significant capacity. I, I would only find actually a couple of more examples of this in well, the, I in would the news. Ex- I would expect because it's more of a, a modern age. T- you know, it is modern. Exactly. Back then, it's, it's like the violin. Can can play as loud as it can. It's not like you can amplify exactly. it. Exactly. It was something that you would have to have modern, like, rock concert technology for, right? Exactly. You know? Amplification, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so there there just probably aren't very many situations in which it's going to be used. Later, a couple of years later, in 1983, according to Entertainment Weekly, this is another quiz question, by the way, mm. Tibetan chants, bugle calls, Christmas carols, and Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking... <laughs> Uh, were blasted at very high volume into a religious organization's compound in what city? Oh, Waco? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, in fact, the, the FBI blared music into the Branch Davidian uh, compound, David Koresh and his followers in, in Waco. Is it bad? I would like that music. I don't think it would be torture to me. I think high volume? High volume. Well, once, maybe, yeah. but after 30 times through, you might be a little sick of you these boots. You haven't seen my for... Spotify yeah. playlist. <laughs> Indeed. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and, and in fact, just this past May, a new report said, another question for you guys, that the theme songs of what two popular children's television programs were used oh, in interrogations I know of, of Guantanamo Bay prisoners. Teletubbies? No. One of them oh. was Barney. I... One of them was, in fact, yeah. Barney. Yeah. Huh. In, in fact, uh, this is a direct quote. In training, they forced me to listen to the Barney I Love You song for 45 minutes, said a U.S. soldier to Newsweek in 2003. I never want to go through that again. (laughs) Oh, just to get them prepped and primed. Uh, yeah, no, no, to so it. that they would understand what the psychological what like. kind wow. of hole is of having to listen yeah. to this at loud volume. Is this a song that never ends? That it is too. It is not. That would be oh. great. Uh, but no, it's in fact the Sesame Street theme song. Oh, uh, Yeah. Uh, the Guardian uh, also reported, this was again this, this report from this past May, that wow, other, these are great trivia. other tracks used uh, played at Guantanamo <laughs> prisoners included Metallica's Enter Sandman oh. uh, and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. Oh dear! (laughs) They switched to Britney Spears after they found out that they could just play it one time on normal volume, (laughs) and they would just tell them everything that they wanted. Uh, No, and they cost cutting measures, (laughs) (laughs) and they call it uh, futility music to convince people of the futility of not cooperating. Because really, they just want to get information out of people like, "Who are you? Who do you work for? How did you, you know, just just start telling us everything?" And by just playing this music over and over and over again, and it's clean again, it just breaks you down. No, no violence, really, just psychological kind of messing with people. And uh, one of the classic torture uh, methods that I want to talk about is, of course, me being Chinese would be fitting to talk about the Chinese water torture. That's just straight up racist. You don't have to do that. Why do you hate yourself? So so for those who don't know, Chinese water torture is basically a victim is restrained Mm -hmm. and there's like a bucket or some sort of apparatus that drips water. Droplets of water would hit on your forehead, kind of between right. your eyes. Mm-hmm. You listen to that, you're like, ah, that's whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound that bad. Apparently, it drives people crazy. It's just the regular, steady, just drip, right? So, well, okay, to go back, the Chinese water torture actually is not Chinese. Oh. Oh. It is invented by an Italian dude, oh. uh, Hippolytus de Marcellus. <laughs> and uh, so he's credited with inventing a, a form of water torture. And he kind of got the idea because uh, he saw droplets of water falling one by one mm-hmm. on, on a stone and gradually made a little divot, right. like, a, like a hollow. So he's like, hmm, what will happen if I do this to the human body? There is a very famous episode of Mythbusters where they actually try to debunk or support whether right. or not mm-hmm. like this is an actual valid kind right, of form right. of torture. It is very unpleasant. I remember that. And it doesn't, it didn't take long. I remember mm-hmm. watching on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I can, uh, again, it's the kind of thing where you imagine as a kid, I remember hearing about it. I'm like, oh, it's just water on your head. What is that? Right. But very quickly, I can see if you're just restrained there. 
So that's the thing. I mean, uh, people have found and scientists and researchers have found that dripping water on the forehead uh, wasn't really particularly stressful or, you know, mm. effective mm -hmm. as a torture method. Oh. It's the combination of the restraining, yes. uh, uh. immobilizing the victim and the water drop is actually not regular. It is random. Oh. So so the the victim wouldn't know when the next drop is coming. Mm. Oh, man. Mm. But it can see the collection of water, like, up ahead. Mm. Mostly psychological and, and just discomfort and being restrained. And so that is Chinese water torture. You know, one of the more really common ones in terms of pop culture, and, you know, I remember growing up, is, like, the stocks and the pillories, mm -hmm. right? You know, like, we see it in cartoons about colonial times and medieval times. I don't times know what those and, are. So I know you know them if I describe them. So the stocks and the pillories are you have that image of the person who's done something wrong and they're in uh, a board that's either holding their head and their hands captive. Oh! And, you know, often the, the image will be of the person in the town square with their, with his head and hands through the board, captive, upright, and people are throwing tomatoes at him or, you know. Cabbage. Um, those are the pillories. So the stocks are pretty much the same thing, but the stocks are for your feet. So they tend to be lower on the ground. Oh, okay. And so it would be mm -hmm. the two planks that would hold, they would go around your ankles. And uh, so like oh. socks. That's, oh, there you go. That's how you can remember it. Stocks like socks. Mm -hmm. And you know, this was pretty popular in, in medieval times, and it came... Does it count as torture or just kind of like it humiliation? Was, well, so it was really, the goal was more public humiliation and punishment, you know, and it would be for anything from theft to various petty crimes up to more serious crime, perjury, things even like that. And the idea is that you're in the public square being humiliated for what you did. And generally it would be, you know, a few hours, maybe up to a few days, uh, depending on what you did. Reading about, it was, it was so much more than just being in the thing and having a tomato thrown at you. So it was a very public spectacle to be on pilloried. Mm -hmm. So you would be taken, you'd be put into the pillory. A big notice will go out to the town. Hey, everyone, there's someone in the pillory in the town square. Come, Come on down. Look. Come jeer Come and Come on mock. down. You could, you could essentially have license to do whatever you want. You people would throw rot oh. rotten eggs and moldy fruit and fish guts mm. and feces. And you could spit on people. I mean, it was really oh. kind of just free license to really let the yeah. person have it. And, and so it was where they um, were composting came from <laughs> because, it was at the base because they of the found post. out yeah. that at the base of the post yeah. the rich, the rich soil. soil would develop yeah. Yeah. all these earthworms so, so earthy around here so I don't know what this says about me but reading about the things that would happen to you somehow the food and all these things being thrown at me sounds terrible but mm -hmm. apparently the village children would come and just tickle your feet mercilessly oh. so oh. I can just imagine being locked in this thing and people yep. are hurling insults at you but right. you've got the village children tickling your feet while you're locked in there I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but and you're just so, laughing your 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 so, ass off while your poop is getting flung your into your face. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Wet willies. Um, and as I say, you know, this, this hurts came, donuts. This, this so was, many hurts donuts. So many hurts yeah. donuts. The one thing, again, an image from popular culture is uh, it's related to a barrel pillar, barrel pillorying, which is if you were like the town drunk or doing something bad for drunk, they would put a barrel over you you mm. and it came in two forms like either they would cut the hole out and stick you in the barrel but another form is there would be the bottom would be cut out and you would essentially wear the barrel like like a, a shirt mm. and that image of sort of the town I see that drunk, all the time I see that all the time and you know as Cartoons. I say colonial pilgrim Where's Puritan era right and mm. I think as a kid my thinking was always like oh that town drunk he lost his clothes all right. he has is a barrel right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but no it was that was the punishment, punishment. for being the drunk and disorderly was they would take your clothes and you would have to wear that barrel around for whatever the duration of your sentence was. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you <laughs> yes. know, talk about going to the bathroom. That's <laughs> a little grody. So, yes. I looked up being tarred and feathered, tar uh, and feathering. Being tarred and feathered sounds really brutal. Like tar is, well, you know, it's the it's, heat. Yeah, it's it's, like, hot. it's really yeah, hot. It's, it's cooking really your hot skin. Steady. You make asphalt out of it or you put it on roofs to mm -hmm. patch it. And yes, that kind of tar would burn you and it probably would kill you to have that poured over you. They probably were talking about pine tar most of the time, which is has a lower oh, boiling point and they use it on ropes. So ah, it has to be flexible ah. and sailors actually would, they'd put their hands in it. There's a reference right. to it in Moby Dick. Well, that's what they Baseball players use pine tar, like, huh. you know, pine yeah. tar resin to, to hold the bat better or pitchers will put it on the ball or, yeah. Yeah. It probably hurts, but usually people didn't die. At least when they did it, they did it a bunch during the American Revolution. Oh. 
and those people didn't usually die. There were so no it was more yet. just the adhesive, the sticky part, the not the heat. They just had to take a long shower. Afterwards. Yeah, it was a very political thing to do because it's so humiliating and it's like a vigilante justice kind of thing. Yeah. So they did it to tax collectors mm. or like debt collectors or uh, um, strip their shirt off and then paint them with the tar and then feather them. People have died from it. Yeah, I always had the idea that it was like boiling hot road tar or something. Mm. They did it to to Joseph Smith Jr., the founder of the Latter-day Saints. Huh. Mm. Huh. They did it to him. And do you know what collaboration horizontal is? Have you heard of that? <laughs> no. Urban Dictionary. Uh, it sounds a little yeah, dirty. I know. Well, it kind of is. I'm glad I said it in the right tone. So that's... <laughs> It's kind of the idea of you're sleeping with the enemy. So ladies who oh, oh, in okay. France, oh. who who were the girlfriends of yeah. German soldiers, it would happen to them. It happened, you know, the collaboration horizontal, horizontal collaboration. That's so funny. <laughs> Very PC. what a military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I feel like this may come up in trivia, but Edgar Allan Poe wrote a short story about tarring and feathering. Huh. And it's called, it has a very wacky name. It didn't sound very Edgar Allan Poe to me, so that's why I feel like it would be a trick trivia question. And it's called The System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feathers. <laughs> and it's it features a staff of an insane asylum. Huh. <laughs> Sounds like a children's book. Doesn't it? It's, it's, yeah. I read Professor Feathers' dissertation, and I have to tell you, <laughs> I, I'm fantastic. not convinced. He deserved everything he got. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Well, it was it was kind of intense. It was kind of heavy, but it was yeah. very interesting. I, I think safe to say we could have gone much more gruesome yeah. if we had yeah. wanted to. Let's move on to a more lighter affair, <laughs> because for our last trivia segment, we have music round. Yay! Music round is back. Return the music. We're just going to play an incredibly loud... Uh, <laughs> Usually, music round, I will be playing five clips of music, short clips, and you would have to identify the artist performing the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a theme, but I'm going to tell you the theme to this round because there is a second part oh. to the quiz. I will be playing songs made famous from movies. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's the theme. And not only do you have to tell me, uh, identify the artist performing the song, you have to also identify what movie okay. was All the right. song featured so each one, in. each okay. one is a two-parter. Yep. Okay. All right. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. It's that? Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, but I don't know the artist. I'm oh, sorry. It, no, Smashing Pumpkins or something? On kind of the right track. Uh, mm, hold right Me, track. Kiss Me, Thrill Swans. Me, Kill Me uh, by you 2 It sounded like you 2 yeah. Okay, oh, I was gonna, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I doubted myself. I, it did huh. sound like you 2 but, I don't, know what, display. but sorry. I don't know what movie it's from. I'm going to I'm going to This was a big hit. I'm going to guess like one it of the Batman. It was a big hit. I'm going to guess one of the Batman movies. Correct. Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. It was from Batman Forever. Okay. Oh, and okay. you probably remember I, the I famous the, song yeah. which is Seal's Kiss from a Rose. Sure, okay, yeah. sure. was also in that same album and Smashing Pumpkin. The end is the beginning is the end, or the beginning is the end is the beginning. Whatever. I, I, I simply made the wise choice of not seeing Batman. <laughs> some, so, some part of my brain. Right. <laughs> Check it out. The interesting thing about this was a really a, a very uh, popular album, and it sold a lot. It did really, really well. And, and you actually didn't have to watch the movie because only five of the songs of the whole a soundtrack album are actually in the movie. Oh, I okay. hate when they do that. All I hate the when they all the rest are allegedly inspired quote, by exactly I inspired mean, by, yeah. by Batman Forever. And um and you know a lot of these tracks were recorded before they're just in upcoming albums, huh. but yeah. before they you know right. I think that movie. happens a lot right. exactly. Yeah. Or, or it's a track that got cut from the studio album, and they're like, oh, we already got this. Finished we need track. a song, right. yeah. Right. So. Good job, even though... Not really. Bombed it. Okay, here we go. Number two. Very 
very famous scene. Uh, that is the Pixies, Where Is My Mind, from the final scene in Fight Club. Correct! Yes, that's the trifecta for me. It's one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite songs, and one of my favorite movies slash books. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's that scene between Helena Bonham Carter really just Edward and, Norton and Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. yeah. Holding hands, watching all the buildings kind of <laughs> get bombed out and then fall. Very beautiful. Yeah. Very good job. Next one. Dana. Uh, why did I race you to it? But I think it's Bon Jovi. Correct. Is it uh, is it Young Guns or Tombstone? Oh, I, I was going to... Is it? Oh, is it... It's one of those like... like uh, Is Cowboy it Sil- Silverado or Young Guns? It's one of those, right? Okay, it is not Young Guns. <sighs> it is Young Guns 2. <laughs> specifically. <laughs> specifically <laughs> for the second Young Guns movie. 1990 Young Guns 2. Emilio Estevez, one of the, the stars of, of Young Guns 2, originally asked that uh, Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive to become the theme music for Young Guns 2. John Bon Jovi actually, he didn't allow it. Huh. He said no. So instead, he actually, you know, he's not a bad guy. He still wrote a, a new song, which is Blaze of Glory, this ah. song, to be used in Young Guns 2, and actually ended up with the Oscar nomination. That's pretty, I did not know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. That was his, like, way of, like, no, sorry, but here's something else. Exactly. And, hmm. and you know, to be honest, I think Wanted Dead or Alive is a much better song. <laughs> but maybe he knew that, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. All right, here we go. From behind the walls of doubt, a voice was crying out. Chris. Well, the, the song is Say You Say Me by Lionel Richie, right? Correct. Um, movie, movie, movie. Oh, I don't know. Colin looks like he knows that. Uh, I believe it was from White Knights. Correct. Yes. White Which Knights, was, 1985. Uh, Gregory Hines, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Very yes. famous, uh, the original Step Up. No. <laughs> <laughs> A very, very famous uh, dance movie starring Kill uh, What was it in 3D? Baryshnikov. No, it was not well, in 3D. Well but it would be awesome <laughs> if it was in 3D, though, because those two guys are fantastic dancers. Yeah, yeah. And also Helen Mirren was also in that movie oh, as well. Oh, I don't remember Very that at all. Young Helen Mirren. Yep. And okay, the last song. You sing to one smile that cheers you, one face that lights when it nears you, one girl you're your everything. Oh God, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. It feels familiar. I I don't know who sings it. Can we get hints. It is an old song, but yes. it's not necessarily for a old timey movie. Is it Jimmy Durante? Correct. Okay, no, it's Jimmy. Make Durante. someone happy. Um. Oh God, yeah. What is it? It's it's from. I I feel like it's from some sort of like mid eighties, late eighties, like Sleepless in Seattle or Billy something. Oh, oh, is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say. I, I swear, I was gonna say some sort of Billy Crystal or Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> I <Yeah>. really was. <laughs> Starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, and and it's not an old timey movie, but there's a lot of old-timey nostalgia especially mm-hmm. classic movies right, classic right. songs well so. they have the running is am i thinking the right movie where they're all sort of uh, the female characters are watching an affair to remember throughout yep, the movie and they're meeting right. up on top of empire state building right so, right good job everyone good okay. job brains. good job brain <laughs> and so that is our show uh thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in Hope you learned a lot of stuff about torture and execution. Hope it wasn't too torturous. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully, y'all. Plenty. Good. And and also, importantly, you know the difference between alliteration and and assonance and consonants. And, well, most importantly, we now know. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, you can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. We also have a Twitter page, which is just at goodjobbrain, and also a Facebook page. And we put some interesting tidbits and video and, and facts and questions and stuff. So you should join us there. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs>